Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Miss Kathy, thank you for leading our worship time there. It's kind of fun that we get to actually peek in and watch this on Facebook Live as well. Um, who would have thought 21st century Quakers? Are you kidding me? Um, we're doing it. And uh, through technology, it's pretty amazing. If you would, grab your Bibles, and we're going to go to the Word of God, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 26. And we're going to continue to dive through this Christmas story. Um, I got to tell you, I'm missing my church family. I, I'm 38 years old, and I haven't missed too many Sunday mornings in 38 years. Um, and I feel like this is kind of like, it only counts as like a half miss, because I'm still a part of the church service. Um, but this is so weird to not be sitting in the house of God this morning. Um, but nevertheless, we're still able to be together. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to read through 38. It says, six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee. The angel went to a virgin promised in marriage to be a descendant of David, uh, to, uh, in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel entered her home, he greeted her and said, You are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. She was startled by what the angel said and tried to figure out what this greeting meant. The angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have, ha- you have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. He will be a great man and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child delivering inside you will be called the Son of God. Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People, uh, people said she couldn't have a child, but nothing is impossible with God. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you said happen to me. Then the angel left her. This is the part that we really want to focus on is Mary's response. And I also just want to drill down on this morning that there are times when God has called us to do something that our response should be obedience and not negotiation. Sometimes I like to negotiate with God and I like to tell him maybe a a different idea or a different plan and say, well, I think maybe, or God, have you ever considered this one? 
God really needs my counsel and my advice on this one. I think I'm going to speak into God's life on this one and let him know he probably didn't think through that one very much. Uh, I got a better idea. And I'll tell you that that sort of approach is asinine, and it's the chief foolish move. And so we want to talk this morning about how do we have obedient responses like Mary when God is calling us to do something fairly big or even small. Can we have a response that says, be it unto me according to your word. Let everything happen the way that you said it would happen. There were early missionaries back in the day that they would be what they called one-way missionaries. This was couple hundred years ago, a couple centuries ago, that they would buy tickets to ship on a, on a boat to go to a far off land, and they only bought a one-way ticket. They knew they were not returning home. They also did not pack all of their earthly belongings inside of suitcases. Instead, they packed their bags in coffins. They put the little bit of earthly possessions that they had into these coffins, knowing that what they were about to do was a death sentence. They're heading off to, to minister to these indigenous uh, people, these people that have no clue who they are, nor do they want them around, and yet they felt the call of God to go. Would you be willing to do whatever God says, even if it meant, I'm going to lay my life down? It's going to cost me everything. As they board onto these ships, they're waving to their family for the last time, knowing they will never see them again. Now, if we can put it into our context, many times what obedience looks like is this. God is saying, you need to go ask your wife for forgiveness. And we say, no. No. We have too much pride that locks us up. You need to go ask your husband to forgive you for that attitude. And we think that God's called us to go overseas on missions and we're going to die. And you know what I mean? And, and he's just saying, will you just humble yourself and go ask for forgiveness because you need to have this, this breakthrough. And I'll tell you, Jesus is really wanting to call us to another level of obedience and it's going to do something so powerful, it'll bust through in a, in, a, in a way like he brings Jesus. It might not be the incarnation of Christ, but it will be the power of God busting through in our families, in our marriages, in our homes. If we would have a yes in our heart to Jesus, and many times as he is auditing the, the issues of our heart, he wants to see, is there a yes in there to whatever I'm calling you? To. It might look like, and this happens to me often, he does it in a grocery store. Hey, I want you to talk to this person, and then I want you to buy their groceries. Okay, so this is going to cost me, maybe financially, it could cost you maybe some ego, it could cost you some humility, who knows what, but he's calling you to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and our response should be, yes, whatever it takes. A.W. Moline was one of these missionaries that went. A.W. was born in 1785 and lived until 1822. He was one of those one-way missionaries that I just talked about. He set sail for the New Hebrides and the South Pacific 
aware that there were headhunters that were out there. These were the guys that were making martyrs of missionaries. Missionaries would land and they wouldn't last long because it didn't take long before they were martyred. Moni, he didn't fear this because in his own life, he said, I do not fear because I have already died to myself. His coffin was packed. The coffin was closed. The, the, the story had been written. And I'll tell you, the more that we can view ourselves in light of that we have already died, we've already laid our lives down. Um, it's no longer I who live, but now there's Christ who lives within me. And the life of Christ is always wanting to have a heart of yes to God. And so the response should be, yes, God, whatever the call is. And so church family, I would ask that we would lay our lives down again, that we would pick up our cross, that we would follow him, and whatever the call, our answer would be yes. For 35 years, A.W., he lived in this tribe. And when he died, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. When he died, they buried him in the middle of the village, and they inscribed on his tombstone. It said, when he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. Man, I want that to be said about my life. I want that to be said about Fairmount. I want that to be said about your life. How about your family legacy? Man, before this person entered the scene in our family, our family was rough. We had some hardships. This was tough. There wasn't much light. But because they've entered the scene, there's not much darkness. There, he's, he's shown such a beautiful and glorious light. As we're probably going to be gathering for family Christmases and holidays, can there be something where God's saying, you know what, I've wanted you to talk to your uncle for a while about me. This is the year. I want you to make that phone call to your cousin. Now's the time. And our response should be like Mary. Yes, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I'm not saying that it was easy for Mary, but I'll tell you what does make it easier is having encounters with the Holy Spirit. She has this encounter with an angel. She engages with heaven. And I'll tell you, when you're only just trying to do good things out of your own ideas, it can be hard to live a life of obedience. But when you know, and you know what I mean, beyond the shadow of a doubt that it is God, and you've had this encounter moment in the presence of Jesus, you hear his voice and it's so loud and it resonates in your spirit. Because of the power of the presence, it makes obedience easier. I'm not saying easy, period. I'm just saying it makes it easier because I've got a God set on this one. I know that God is backing me and he is for me. Another missionary who's cut from the exact same cloth was a Methodist missionary, James Calvert. He lived from 1813 to 1892. You know, I like that year, 1892. It's because that's when the current building that you're sitting in now was built. We started building it in 1891, but services started in 1892. Isn't that wild to think that we've been worshiping there for that long? 
So here's James who committed his life to reaching the indigenous people of the Fiji Islands. It's been widely reported that for him upon his voyage, that the ship's captain warned him. He said, you better turn back, man. You will lose your life and the lives of those who are with you if you enter the land of these savages. <laughs> and Calvert's response, are you ready? Calvert's response was this. He said, we died before we came here. Mm. You know, there is a way to live that we live already surrendered. It's like the walking dead. <laughs> you know, it's like we already have surrendered our lives to Jesus. And we're living in this place of, God, I have no ego. I have no ulterior motive. I have no other planning committee in my life. You know, one of the biggest things that you could probably do is just fire the planning committee in your heart <laughs> and just say, God, my plans are not your plans. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I want to get in tune with your ways and your thoughts and your plans. No doubt because of, um, because of the way that we respond, the way that Mary responded, she had this massive breakthrough. And church, I want us to, to respond with instant obedience. A lifestyle that has an instant obedience is just a powerful way to go. Because of the power of the presence, it really can make obedience so much easier. So we must have these moments where we engage the presence. You know, sometimes my kids, I'll ask them to do something and the immediate response is they got a little bit of an attitude or the immediate response is, no, don't want to do that. Not going to do that. And there can be this thing that kind of pushes back against us. And eventually, you know, they'll go and do it. Or eventually I kind of get on their hind end and I uh, gently encourage them to obey their father. But can I tell you something? It doesn't really bring so much joy to me when I've got to encourage obedience. I love instant obedience. As a father's heart, my heart is like, yes, my son said yes and okay, and let's go. My daughter said, okay, dad, that's the way it's going to be. And the response of, of instant obedience makes the father heart happy. Can I tell you there's a certain kind of obedience that puts a smile on the face of God? It really is. There's an, there's an obedience that he gets fired up about. He loves it, man. You know, I can't but help but believe that these missionaries, they just knew the implications of a scripture like Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I, I'm dead. I've been crucified. My life is over. My life is not my own. And so, church family, I want to encourage us. What if our response was, be it unto me according to your word. I've got no other agenda. I've got nothing else going on. It's whatever you would have done for me. I believe that the most essential act, really, of discipleship is taking myself off the throne of my heart and putting Jesus on the throne. It's removing myself from the throne and rightfully putting myself on the cross. 
and it's taking Jesus off of the cross, and it's putting him on the throne of my heart. Many times, I would much rather live on my throne and keep Jesus on the cross. Jesus, keep dying for me. Keep forgiving me. Keep doing all of these things that's going to it's going to free me from my sin. And I'll keep living my life. I'll be the governor of my own heart. And he says, I would much rather switch places. Brock, you hop on the cross and you lay your life down. And I'll hop on the throne and I'll reign and rule. And together, this is going to be a good life. When we've got God reigning and ruling, and we are willing to lay our lives down and pick up our crosses daily, life gets really good. I think we got a powerful picture of that inside of our own church family. And that's been modeled by Pastor Andrew and Jessica. You know, they were in a transitional season of life whenever they were working at Western Yearly Meeting. And Pastor Andrew had this encounter with the Lord and just felt like God said, it's time to go. And I've got something else for you. And he didn't have clarity on what that next step was. So when we don't have clarity, we got to move with faith and obedience. And so he quits his job at Western Yearly Meeting with no other job lined up. I'm not sure, but that doesn't make father-in-laws very happy. What? You're not going to have a job and you, you are going to steward my wife? You're going to lead this family? And I'll tell you, sometimes obedience doesn't always make sense. It's called faith. And faith is the, is the essence of things that we cannot see. We don't always know how it's going to work out. I don't know how this thing's going to play. Um, I might just have to pack my suitcase in a coffin. I don't know how this thing's going to end up. But what I do know is that I've already signed up a life of surrender to, to Jesus. And I just got to believe he's going to provide. I just got to believe that he's a God of breakthrough. And so Andrew and Jessica both quit their jobs. They move into this lifestyle of faith, trust, obedience. And God opens doors that no one could see. God transitioned me at the same time he was transitioning Pastor Andrew. And wouldn't you know it, a door opened and we got to welcome the Hale family into our church home. You know, great stories like this, they just don't happen on accident. They don't happen just because we lived, you know, half-hearted obedience. They happen because we have radical trust and faith in God. And we're not rolling the dice on this. It's not like, man, he sure was risky. Let me tell you something. God has never taken a risk in his life. <laughs> he's never gambled. He's never rolled the dice. He's never, man, I sure hope this one works out. Oh, I don't know. It's always yes and amen. It's always confirmed. And people, when we can partner with a God like that, who is always good and who is always faithful, life gets really good. And it gets really fun because it's no longer normal, nominal, predictable, every day. You've lived the same day for 40 years. No, no, no. Every day is an adventure because every day he's calling us to something. Hey, go talk to your neighbor. Hey, go serve your spouse. Hey, go ask for forgiveness. I'll tell you, I try to get so in tune even with Hey, you need to stay and talk to your child just a little bit longer. Hey, you need to, you need to go and you know, have this extra conversation. Or maybe it's like, God, I don't know how to address this with my kids or with my grandkids. But God, I know that you're calling me to it, so I'm going to seek you. I'm going to have this encounter with you in your presence.
And people, I'll tell you, a life of surrender like that gets the gaze of God on your life. It's like this. <laughs> He's peeking in. He's leaning over the balcony of heaven, watching your life, and he loves it. There is a great cloud of witnesses that are being so provoked by your lifestyle of faith. It gets the attention of God. I want to conclude with this. In Psalm, or I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says, Saul chose to keep the Amalekite king Agag alive. And he took the plunder from the battle rather than destroying everything that God had commanded. When Samuel confronted him, Saul said, I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord uh, assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So God had called. We see this, this moment here where God had, had called King Saul to go and wipe out the enemy and to kill the king and to destroy all of the, the, the animals and all of the livestock. And yet, Saul didn't quite do all of that. Instead, what he did was he kept the plunder for himself. It was like a half obedience. And I got to ask the question, is half obedience even really obedience at all? Because although he, killed, he, he defeated the enemy king, he kept all the stuff, and God didn't tell him to do that. And so now we see the prophet Samuel. And the prophet Samuel answered, and he says, Does the Lord delight in you keeping all of these animals so that you can make a burnt offering to him? Does the Lord delight in your sacrifices as much as he delights in you obeying him? To obey is better than sacrifice. And it just begs the question, why is obedience better than sacrifice? I'll tell you this, because it's really about the issue of the heart. Our sacrifices to God, even this morning, coming into worship, you're sitting there in the sanctuary and you're thinking, man, I'm giving my, my sacrifice to the Lord and I'm, I'm having this encounter moment with Jesus. And he's saying, you know what? I would much rather you walk out of this place and obey me than to live a life that doesn't obey me, but then show up on Sundays and keep worshiping. I would much rather have an obedient heart, an obedient family, an obedient church that really is after my heart. So a couple things. Kings, King Saul responds with, you know, he's got this almost a little piece of rebellion in his heart. It's like, God, I know you said to do that, but I'm going to do it a different way. And I just think we lose. That's the way to lose. And so, church, would you just do a little audit on your own heart? Where is God calling you to obey? What are some things where he's saying, I'm putting my finger on this right there. I'm putting my finger on this issue of your heart. I'm putting my finger on this issue in your life. And I really want to see a life of obedience. I know we've got our uh, White's residential ladies here this morning. And um, we've got the Compass Rose. And I love the fact that you're here. And we see this teenage girl in Mary that was called to do something pretty radical. 
something pretty amazing that nobody else has ever been called to in the history of the world. And ladies, if I could encourage you, God is only getting started with you. And he's asking you to trust him on this one. He's asking you to obey him. And would you kind of walk up to the edge of yourself and just take this deep dive plunge of faith into the heart of God? He's for you. He's not against you. He only has good things ahead for you. And I can't help but believe that the best is yet to come. So putting all this stuff together, I'll tell you that a lifestyle of obedience captures the attention of God. That there is a way for us to obey God in all things. And not half-hearted obedience, but in all obedience. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is Jesus. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Church family, I really like you. <laughs> I really like us. I really like what we're doing in our community. And I really like how we're reaching out and serving. Continue to say yes. Continue to have a heart of yes uh, that, would, that would whatever God would call you to. And the best way to have a yes in your heart is to spend as much time in the presence of Jesus as you possibly can. The power of the presence makes a life of obedience that much more possible. I'm going to close in prayer, and if Mr. Greg would come up and play, we're going to wrap our service here. It is a joy to be with you guys this way this morning. I know it's a bit different, but it is still, nevertheless, a joy to be with the people of God. All right, let's pray together. Jesus, I ask you that we'd have a heart like Mary, one that says, be it unto me according to your word. Jesus, I pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart to obey. God, I pray that we would be a church that is marked by radical obedience, where we do and we dare the great things of God. We take on the full challenges that lie ahead of us, knowing that you're for us and you're not against us. Lord, I pray that we would have a, a pack our coffin sort of approach, that we live as dying men and women, that we're dead to ourselves, we're dead to this world, and yet we're alive to Christ. God, I pray we would be those that climb up on that cross, that we're crucified with Christ, that we take up our cross daily, and we say, whatever it is that you're calling us to do, let us do it. God, give us grace to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.